Yeah, thank you so much, Pastor Tommy. Uh, thank you so much, all of you, for coming. Uh, as he said, in the last 10 years, uh, since 2006 up to 2016, I have been very close to Pastor Tommy and also for Laura. We work together for that project, as we forgive a documentary film. And what I can testify, I'm a survivor of genocide. I lost 100 people during the genocide, killed. I was 17 during the genocide. But after genocide, I was uh, totally confused about God, about where I was God during the genocide, how God can allow genocide to happen in a Christian nation. Among all these discussions, but I praise God because finally I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I started a journey of healing and reconciliation. But what I want to testify is that uh, one of the key tools that God used to heal our country, Rwanda, as we forgive a documentary movie, was a part of it. We have seen people really healed and also changed by the power of the gospel through that movie. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you so much also for your support and your significant role in that project. So I'm called Emmanuel Kuizera. Uh, Kuizera means faith. I'm from Rwanda, as I have already mentioned. But now, currently, I live in Kenya, Nairobi, where I work as International Mission Director of African Evangelistic Enterprise. I'm married. I have three children. The oldest, she's uh, eight. The second one, he's uh, six. And the youngest, she's one and a half. So I praise God for my wife and my children, but also I praise God for my, the whole thing that God is doing in my country, Rwanda, and the ministry I'm doing in terms of evangelism of the cities of Africa. So the message of this afternoon, I want to reflect on the Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 up to verse 20. Uh, the question that Jesus asked his disciples, when you read Matthew chapter 16 from verse 13 up to verse 20, Jesus asked his disciples two questions. The first question is on verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippine, he asked his disciple, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, this afternoon, I want just to help you or to encourage you or to... to just to cause a kind of reflection about this question that Jesus asked his disciples. Who do people say I am? Who do people say the son of, the son of man is? Now, when you ask this question about who is Jesus, even now when I'm preaching about that question, who is Jesus, with my French accent in English... <laughs> You know, I speak French. English is my fourth language, so I try English in my French accent. Now, when, when, when you ask people, who is Jesus, as a message, I'm sure that some of you can think like, mm, this is not really a question you can ask some people, mature disciples of Christ. Some of the people have been in the church for many years to ask, who is Jesus? But let me tell you, this question about who is Jesus looks like very simple. It looks like a question for the Sunday school, for the children, but it's something very important for our generation, and it's a very key question that I want all of us to ask, who is Jesus? That's why Jesus Christ asked his disciple, who do people say 
I am. With my experience as an evangelist, because I'm an evangelist, I work with the African Enterprise as an evangelist. In the last, I think, 15 years, I've been doing evangelism. I keep asking the same question, different people. Trust me, I keep asking this question, several people. Who is Jesus? Even now in Washington, D.C., I can ask you the same question. Who is Jesus according to you? Who is Jesus to you? I travel a lot because of my, my job, my kind of career I do. I travel in Africa. I travel in Europe, in Australia, in America. But most of the time, because I'm an evangelist, I have had to share the love of Jesus Christ. Whenever I'm sitting in a plane, uh, in a, when I'm flying anywhere with the, someone next to me, somehow I try to create a kind of conversation. You know, it's a blessing to be an African guy sitting in a plane because everyone is asking a question, oh, where are you coming from? I say, I'm from Africa. Where are you going? I'm going to Washington, D.C. When someone is asking me those kind of questions, it's a great opportunity for me to share about Jesus. Because the more you ask more questions, the more I will finally ask you, do you know Jesus? <laughs> because it's easy to say, oh, I'm going to Washington, D.C. I'm going to speak in a Christian gathering. And then I say, oh, by the way, do you have a church? I say, no, I don't have a church. And then I keep asking, do you know who is Jesus? Now, it's very interesting, believe me, that many people in this world, especially this generation, they don't know really who is Jesus. When you ask that question, wherever you are, in America, in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, South Africa, Nigeria, Nairobi, Jakarta, Indonesia, when you ask people, who is Jesus? you will be very surprised about several responses and the kind of confusion people have in their mind about who is Jesus. I totally believe that's, that's, where, that's why Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? Let me ask this question. Who is Jesus here in Washington, D.C.? Who is Jesus in your department? Who is Jesus in your neighborhood? Who is Jesus to you. Now, listen to me. When Jesus asked that question, now people, re no, Peter replied. He said, some said you are John Baptist. Others said you are Elijah. Others still think like you are Jeremiah. There's even others who are saying you are one of the prophets, which is clear that even during the time of Jesus Christ, people were confused. They were saying, ah, I think he's Jeremiah. Or I think he's John Baptist. I think he's, he's, a, he's a one of the prophets. Now, it, it's clear that people, during the time of Jesus Christ, they were having a lot of confusion, a lot of the, the definition of who is Jesus. Allow me to ask you again, who is Jesus in this generation? Now, listen to me how some people, they reply to me when I ask who is Jesus. I have met with several people in a different occasion, on WhatsApp, on Facebook, on the internet, even just my friends talking. Some of them, when you ask them, who is Jesus? Some people, they will say, oh, Jesus, he's a religious figure. I'm not interested in religion, but I think he's, he's a religious guy somewhere in Middle East and with a lot of confusion, especially in the Western part of the world. Most of the young people, when you ask them, I mean, young is not children, I mean, teenagers, 25, 35 years when you ask them, who is Jesus? They will say, he's a religious guy. He's a religious leader. He's the same like uh, Mahatma Gandhi, 
He's like, uh, let's say, name it. He's, even some people say like, Jesus Christ, he's a good star. It's like he's a star. There's other people who will tell you that Jesus, I think I have heard my dad talking about Jesus. I don't know who he is, but I think my dad, when I was very young, he told me about Jesus. Others will confuse Jesus and the culture. In Africa, many people, some people, not a lot of them, some people, when you ask him, who is Jesus? They will tell you, Jesus, he's a Western civilization. It's like a Western culture. Now, others, they think it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a theological debate. It's like a debate. You know, Jesus is a debate. Now, others, we have so many things. Others, they think it's a myth. It's not a reality. Others, it's a dream. I have even met some people who say, Jesus is a good philosopher. He's a philosopher. It's like a kind of philosophy. And then others, they will say like, Jesus, yeah, he's a good man. He's a good guy. You know, these days people, they like say, oh, he's a good guy. Say, Jesus is a good guy. <laughs> but let me tell you that to no, to, today, this afternoon, this question, who is Jesus, is a question that Jesus is asking his church. Who is Jesus in our generation? Is he a Buddha? Is he a good prophet? Is he a good man? Is he a religious, a religious figure? Is he a theological debate? Who is Jesus? I'm not sure if you know it, but in Africa, during the Christmas, we have what you call Christmas tree. You know, we make a Christmas tree. And then we have something in the French, we call it Père Noël, or Father Christmas. <laughs> now, most of the young people, kids, when you ask me, who is Jesus? You will, you will be surprised they confuse Jesus and Father Christmas. They think like Jesus is a guy with a, a red robe who brings some gifts during the Christmas day. It's a very sad that we are living in a generation. We are living in a time where people, they don't know really who is Jesus. Now, Jesus, he asked the second question, verse 15. He asked, who is Jesus? Who do people say I am? And then verse 15, he asked, what about you? Who do you think I am? Who do you say I am? Now, let me just reflect a little bit about these two questions. The first question was, who is Jesus outside of the church? Who is Jesus outside of the believers? Of course, outside of the church, they were confused about who he is. And then Jesus asked the second question. Now, what about you? What about you? Others, they think I'm Elijah. Others, they think I'm Jeremiah. Others, they can think like I'm a philosopher. Others, they can think like it's a myth or it's, it's, it's a movie or it's what. And then Jesus say, what about you? Which is now a question for, for believers, for the church today. When you read those two questions, you will understand that the church, we have a calling, we have a mission to preach, to share, to let people know who he is. But also, that question belongs to you who are sitting in this church. I am a son of pastor. I was born in a Christian family. My dad was a pastor in the Presbyterian church. My grandfather was a pastor. His grandson was a pastor. His, his, he, his grandchildren was a pastor. That's a four. My auntie, she's a pastor now. I have two aunties of my family. In my family, we have seven pastors. 
You can imagine <laughs> my family now. But I didn't know who is Jesus until I gave my life to Jesus Christ, until I have my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter, if, it doesn't matter that I was born in a Christian family because Jesus, he asked his disciple, what about you? Do you know who I am? Who do you say I am? That's why Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of God. You are the Messiah. Amen. Now, this, this afternoon, I want to encourage you just to reflect on those two questions. Jesus wants to know who he is according to you. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? I like the story of Paul. You know, in the Bible, you read a lot of stories. I like stories in the Bible. I don't like to share other stories. I like stories in the Bible. So let me share one story about Paul, who, who, who used to be Saul. You remember there's a story in the Bible, in a book of Acts of Apostles, chapter 9, from verse 1 up to verse 20. Now the Bible talked about the guy called Saul, the guy called Saul, who ended up becoming Paul. Now before Saul to meet with Jesus, he was fighting against Christians. He was killing them. He was busy with just fighting the disciples of Jesus Christ. Even everyone who confessed about Jesus. But one day, one day, Saul met with Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 1, he met with a light from heaven. He was just walking to Damascus, busy with killing people, busy with trying to fight against Jesus. And then he met with Jesus. The Bible, says a, the Bible says a light from heaven flashed around him. And then when, when Saul was just falling down, he heard a voice. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then I like the question Paul, Saul asked Jesus. He said, who are you, my Lord? Now, here we see now Saul, which is now Paul in the Bible, he was asking that another question. You know, that the first two questions in a, in, a, in, a, in a gospel according to St. Matthew, it was Jesus who was asking who I am. But now here, in a book of Acts chapter 9, we see now Paul, Saul, he was asking, who are you, my Lord? My prayer for American society or American community, for my prayer for Africans, my prayer for Europe, my prayer for the church today, I want to encourage you, to ask this very powerful question. Who are you, my Lord? Who are you, Jesus? Even tonight, I want to encourage you, when you, when you will go home, just take like a five minutes before to sleep, or ten minutes, just pray, Lord, I know you want to know who you are in this world, but even myself, I have a question. Who are you, my Lord? Because Paul saw, he asked that question, and then it's very interesting, very interesting. When Paul wrote, the, wrote to a Colossians, when Paul wrote a letter to Colossians, chapter 1, chapter 1, fr chapter one from, verse, from verse 15, 15 up to verse 20, now here we see Paul who asked, who are you, my Lord? Now here Paul, he's now going to tell us who is Jesus. I want to ask you, to really, to hear very careful who is Jesus. In a book of, in a, in a letter that, in a, that letter Paul wrote to Colossians, 
He said, chapter 1, verse 15, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, he said, Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. Who is Jesus? The first point, he's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. Second, Paul said, Jesus, in him, all things were created. In him, in Jesus. Jesus is not Mahatma Gandhi. I love Mahatma Gandhi. I love nonviolence. I read a lot. Actually, I have, a, I have a, my, my degree in political history. But I have read a lot of about Mahatma Gandhi. I love Mandela. I love Martina Luther King. I love all these big men who have changed, who have done their best to change the world. But let me tell you, Jesus is not Mahatma Gandhi. Jesus is not a philosopher. Jesus is not a debate. Jesus, he is the son of God. He is the image of the invisible God. The Bible says, in him, all things were created. Listen to me. Things in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or power or rulers or authority. The Bible says that all things have been created through him and for him. That's so powerful. Everything you see in this world, the Bible says all things have been created through him and for him. Let me tell you something that one day you will be accountable, accountable to your life, to your finances, to your skills, because the Bible says everything, everything you see has been, have been created through him and for him. By the way, let me tell you something very interesting. The church of Jesus Christ does not have any mission. Let me repeat again. We don't have a mission. The church is the mission of Jesus Christ. Let me make it clear. A church, you know, the body of Christ, we are not here to try to figure out what to do. No, it's not like a company where you sit together and then you start to figure out, what am I going to do? The church, of course, the church has a mission uh, because I need also to be very careful, not just to confuse uh, yourself. But the church is the mission of Jesus Christ. We don't have an agenda. We are already in the agenda of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, in him, everything has been created through him and for him. Including our skills, including our capacities, including everything we have, have been created through him and in him. Verse 17, it is said, he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. I like that one. Unfortunately, I don't have American accent. I'm not sure if you hear to hold. Holding, it's like, you know, here I can hold my tablet like this. Now, the Bible says, Jesus, he's before all things. <laughs> One day, Jesus told his disciple, before Abraham, I was there. This man is very powerful. <laughs> he said, before Abraham, I was there. Now, let me, let, let me repeat again. Before the creation... Jesus was there. If you can imagine anything about creation, either you believe in, I don't know you believe about creation, 
But before everything you can imagine about creation, Jesus, the Son of God, the Bible said he was already there. But I like this one. And then he said, in him all things hold together. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's the guy, he's the man, he's God who holds our economy, our social interactions, our everything you can imagine. The whole world, the whole earth, Jesus, he holds everything together. The Bible says in verse 18, the Bible says he's the head of the body. He's the head of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from all among the dead. The Bible says he is the head of the church. Let me also a little bit mention about that. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. He is the firstborn. He is the creator. He created everything, and everything created for him. You know, the church, the head of the church, I'm sorry because I know this is the Anglican church. We, 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 we have archbishops. We have bishops. We have all kind of, you know, I'm from a Presbyterian church. <laughs> we have almost the same. We are sisters. We are cousins, Anglicans and the Presbyterians. So I'm a son of pastor. I know all these levels in leadership of the church. But the Bible says, the head of the church is not a bishop, is not a pastor, is not Emmanuel. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. That's why the church does not have any authority to do whatever they want to do because Jesus, the Son of God, is the head of the church. Let me repeat again my question. Who is Jesus in this generation? Who is Jesus on Facebook? Who is Jesus on Twitter? Who is Jesus in your department? Who is Jesus among the rich people? Who is Jesus among the poor people? As I told you, I was born in Rwanda. I grew up in Rwanda. In 1994, I was 17. You know, I was a little bit mature to see. I have seen everything about genocide. 100 days. I was not a little baby. Now, I have seen how God has changed my country up to now. As a conclusion, most of the people think that Africa needs money. Africa, we don't need money. We need Jesus. I encourage you to read books about how many billions and billions of dollars every day, which is very good because it's helping us also to develop. But I've never seen money changing the heart of someone. I have, seen, I have never seen a religious or anything with my experience as a survivor of genocide, I have seen that Africa needs Jesus. The whole world, we are living in a world of fear everywhere. Believe me, I know you, many of you travel a lot, but I, I, I travel a lot. <laughs> I have been in 45 countries through the ministry I'm doing. Now, every time when I'm sitting at the airport, I can see how we are living in a fear, in a world of fear. I like security. And I really pray for the security guys we have. God bless you so much. But when you see people at the airport, you can sense that there is a problem in this world. When you open CNN, BBC, and the other folks, I don't know how you call it in America, when you hear news, you can see this world needs a special message. There is a need of Jesus. We need Jesus. We need to preach Jesus. Before to close my sermon, I want to encourage you to pray for Africa. 
Because in Africa, we are now experiencing another thing, which is the prosperity gospel. Instead of preaching about the Son of God, the, indiv the invisible Son of God, people, they are hearing other messages. Actually, I have discovered that people, they are comfortable to be Christians without Christ. You will, you, will, you will sense it. I can become a very good motivation speaker. People can say, yeah, he's a very good guy. He's a motivation speaker. And then other people say, we are Christian, but we don't want Christ. We don't want Jesus in our schools. We don't want, I don't want Jesus in my cup. I don't want Jesus in my family. But let me tell you, Jesus, the son of God, he's the real need. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Keep thinking about who is Jesus according to you. When you go home tonight, just pray a simple prayer. Say, Lord, I have met with that young evangelist from Africa with a French accent. But at least I want to ask you this question. Who are you, my Lord? Just make that kind of intellectual exercise. Just keep reflecting. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Jesus is able to change your life. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the prosperity gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of forgiveness of our sins, the gospel of the cross of Jesus Christ in Gorgota, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. To everyone. To everyone. Actually, that's, that, that's my verse. As I told you, whenever I'm traveling, either I'm sitting in a plane or when I'm sitting anywhere, I'm not ashamed by the gospel. I'm not ashamed. Jesus is not someone that you can be ashamed for. Jesus, he is the power. The Bible says the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone, not who hear, who believe in that gospel. If you believe in that gospel, your life will not be the same. If you believe in that the gospel of Jesus Christ, your family will never be the same. If America, let me say it again, if America really, if we pray and ask Jesus to become a saint of this country, I can tell you, you will see God, God will change America and America will continue to be a blessing. If we ask Africans to bring Jesus as the saint of the church, it's a very sad preachers, churches, non-believers, Christ is no longer the center. But tonight, this evening, this is my encouragement. May God bless you so much. Continue to pray for our ministry in Africa. As you can see, my passion, my motivation, I believe that I only exist to know Christ and to make him known. That's the, that's the only reason I'm here on this earth. Without that agenda, I'm, I don't have any reason to be here. Is it clear? But this is also a, a reality for you. All of us, God is not calling us to become evangelists, like a Billy Graham, my mentor. But 
You can be an evangelist as a marketplace minister. You can be a very good, successful engineer or a businessman or someone who is very good in, in science or IT, technology. But keep remember, the only reason <laughs> you exist is to know Christ and to make him known. May God bless you so much. Let's just close our eyes and pray. I want to ask Pastor Tommy to come and the choir, maybe the singers can sing one song. I don't know how you are going to make it. But just let's have five minutes or two minutes in a time of prayer. Think about Jesus. Who is Jesus according to you? I'm not talking about the church. I'm not talking about Anglicans. I'm not talking about baptism. I'm talking about who is Jesus according to you? Who is Jesus in your children? Who is Jesus in our schools here in America? Who is Jesus in D.C.? Who is Jesus? Just pray. I know you, you are very smart. Just pray. Ask God, who are you, my Lord? Actually, I mean, even myself, I'm confused. I mean, ask that question. See, Jesus, even myself, I'm confused. Who are you, my Lord? Are you a good idea? Oh, he's ready to talk to you. And also, I'm going to ask Pastor Tommy to pray for the church. We exist to know Christ and to make him known through different channels, business, preaching, radio, Facebook, your money, your company. That's the only way we exist. May God bless you so much. Jesus is alive. Jesus is the King of Kings. The whole world, we need Jesus. Heavenly Father, as we hear these words, we recognize that this, these words, this question is really at the center of everything. It's the foundational question of asking uh, not simply what the world believes about the identity of Jesus, but what do we believe is the answer to this question of who is Jesus. Lord, we pray for this church uh, here, Church of the Advent. Lord, we pray that these words would, would, would convict us and challenge us to, to know once and for all what we believe about Jesus, how incredibly and deceptively, insidiously easy it is to have a Christianity without Christ. And we pray against that. We pray against all the ways we're tempted to do that and to be that. And Lord, we repent of that, and instead we desire that you, Lord Jesus, would be at the very center of our life together. We recognize that this isn't a decision that is only made intellectually, it's not made emotionally, uh, that it has to be a spiritual reality that the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and opens our minds and opens our hearts uh, as you did the Apostle Paul that day on the road to Damascus. We have to come face to face with you, Jesus, in the power of the Spirit. And so I pray that for all of us who know you, Jesus, that you would remind us afresh of who you really are that you are nothing less than the Lord, the Son of the living God. And Lord, for those of us here who may not uh, be sure what we believe about you, we pray that even as we are gathered here, your spirit would be at work opening, opening minds and opening hearts to your true identity. We pray for uh, the United States of America, uh, our country that is being torn apart. Lord, three more uh, three more police officers killed today in Baton Rouge, Lord. We, this is a country desperately in need of gospel reconciliation. And as Emmanuel invites us to do, we pray for the African continent. We pray for Nairobi and Kenya where he is. We pray for Rwanda, Uganda. Uh, we pray for the whole continent, especially North Africa. Uh, Lord, we pray for your gospel to go forth. And we pray your blessing on our brother Emmanuel, your protection and empowering of him 
your blessing over his wife and his three kids, Lord. We pray that you would empower him to do all that you've called him to do in your name and for your glory. We pray all this in your son's holy name. Amen.